This is Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. It's over, it's done, Locktober is finished. As we come into a new month, it is a new edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to those underdogs. Welcome back to Three Dog Thursday. I am your humble host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers, and I am applauding for you. 3-4-3 three, three last week with two college underdogs and an NFL underdog as well. Congrats. Welcome in, Kevin. Here we go with another show, sir. Yes, thank you. It's nice to go 3-0. and Tulane came back and beat Tulsa in a game that will decide the American championship. So that was a... Uh, that was a good I one. I should interject. I know you well yeah. enough after doing this for four years. I sure thought that the punchline was in a game that will never be talked about again or mentioned again. But instead, you came up with the good sarcasm. It may decide the American Conference. Continue on yeah. with your success. Yes. And uh, Tennessee ended up working out, even though South Carolina was kind of late touchdown in that game. They got a cover. But Tennessee... They've actually been hanging around a little bit in the last you know, few games. I think they've, they've been better. I mean, they're obviously not doing much this year from you know not going to a bowl or any of that stuff, but, but I think they've been a lot more competitive over the last few weeks. And in the NFL with the Packers, that was uh, you know, it worked out well. They were kind of a public underdog, but uh, they hung. They probably should have beaten the Rams, but uh, they definitely gave the Rams everything they could handle. They ended up covering. They lost, but we still went 3-0, so that's all that matters. Yes, you did, and I ended up going 2-1 and one last week. I, look, I will fall on the sword about Florida State, and I know Kevin is a Florida State alum. Uh, he, he was pained. All the Florida State people that I know were pained. I was stunned at how bad they were, and I was touting them last week, and Look, look, uh, for the future, if I go to pick against Clemson on Three Dog Thursday in a large line, will you please just stop me? I mean, just handcuff me to the radiator if you have to, because I, I've done that twice now with the Georgia Tech game earlier this year and now with the Florida State game, both of them, Clemson blowouts. I did say I went back and listened to my whole explanation as to why Florida State would hang in, all of which was complete garbage because none of it panned out. I did have one sentence, Kevin, last week on Three Dog Thursday where I said, if Florida State turns the ball over, they may lose by 50. So I did have one qualifier that turned out to be right. They lost by 50. In the It's amazing how bad that was and Willie Taggart questioning the heart of his team, etc. So I blew that one. Uh, taking the 17 points with Florida State. But I did have Oklahoma State in the primetime game. I thought they'd win the game outright with Texas. They did. And you and I agreed on the Packers, but I went ahead and took the Seahawks as a road team. Pete Carroll over and over and over again, covering as a road underdog, if not winning the game. And they do it again in Detroit last week. So we went 5-1 and one last week on Three Dog Thursday. Again, we're touting ourselves at the risk of you all thinking that we're Uh, just uh, falling all over ourselves to compliment ourselves. You should know this about the picks that we are making with the 
uh, 10th week coming and going in college football. That's now nine times in 10 weeks that Kevin and I have given you two successful college underdogs or more. Kevin obviously getting two correct. I got one correct. That's three from last week. That's now five times out of the 10 weeks we've given you at least three college underdogs that turn out to be correct. All I'm saying is the peeps, the folks, our Three Dog Thursday listeners should be paying attention to these college picks that are coming up in a couple of moments. We'll get to the picks in a second. Uh, as we are talking now, it is actually going to be Halloween. By the way, you have the little one, Mr. Mason, Mr. Little Mr. Three Dog Thursday. What is he going to be for Halloween, for Trick or Treat coming up? Have we decided? Is he's a little guy on the costume. What's going on? He is going to be the cat in the hat. Ah, I like it. We got the Dr. Seuss rocking, and we got the hat. Uh, what's the under-over while we uh, love to play lines and spreads on how long the hat stays on the head? I will go 16 um, seconds. Zero percent because the hat wasn't in the store. So Oh, my gosh. Uh, he's just the, so really, he's just the cat. He's, he's the cat the without cat, the hat in this case. Yeah. But, yes, as, as I have found as my little ones uh, continued on through – uh, infancy to preschool age, nothing stays on the head. No, no hat, no hood, no wig, no nothing. So, especially in the Florida heat, even for thanks uh, for uh, almost at Thanksgiving for Halloween, uh, it's not going to stay on there because it's hot. But uh, he's the cat without the hat tonight. I like it. My two are going Star Wars in this instance, with one of them being Kylo Ren. And here we go again, Kevin. I don't think she's going to wear the Kylo Ren mask for more than about two minutes tonight in the Florida heat when we're doing the trick-or-treating. Uh, the other one is going to be Ray, the female character from Star Wars. So I got two Star Wars ones in our house. Uh, in a little bit, Peter Burns will be here from the SEC Network. Love his coverage on that network. He also hosts on SiriusXM's SEC uh, This Morning show on the SEC channel on SiriusXM. Peter has got an infant daughter, a one-year-old. I'm anxious to hear about what little Bo is going to be for the, for the upcoming uh, Halloween trick-or-treat, even though she's one and won't remember much. So that's coming up in a little bit. So we got Halloween out of the way. College football playoff rankings, having, having happened just before we taped this podcast, they came out on Tuesday night of this week, the initial ranking for 2018. As expected, Alabama won and Clemson 2, then LSU with a loss at 3, Notre Dame at 4. Kevin Rogers, those are the official top four right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, any, uh, any problems with that initial ranking? No. I mean, look, you have two of the teams playing each other this weekend. So basically, if Alabama wins, LSU is done. If Alabama loses, they'll still be in the top four. So probably when it's all said and done. But, but you know, we're assuming Alabama is going to beat LSU. And if they do, LSU will have two losses and we kick them out. And then we'll see who ends up replacing them in that top four. You know, we had talked about perhaps who would win, whoever wins the Big 12 and who wins the Big 10 would maybe take up two of the spots. Obviously, Notre Dame is still in the mix there, and their schedule isn't too difficult. They have USC and Florida State down the line, which years ago would have seemed like you know, a really big test. But you know, Florida State's been down, and USC has been kind of up and down this year. So you'd assume it would be, as long as everything stays true, Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, and then whoever the fourth team would be. And uh, you know what? You have Michigan in the mix. You have Ohio State in the mix, I think, if they went out. Uh, Texas hurt themselves with the loss to Oklahoma State, so now Oklahoma's kind of back in the game. If they end up winning out and winning the Big 12, maybe they get in. So it'll be interesting. 
to see as long as everyone else uh, stays undefeated. We should say for those all over the country and all over the world, wherever you're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday, we're in Florida. I'm in West Central Florida, the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area. Kevin is in South Florida in the Miami area. Uh, Central Florida, UCF, ranked 12th. And we went through all of this last year. It seemed like every time on Three Dog Thursday we were coming on talking about UCF, are they going to get respect, et cetera. They're in at number 12. The committee knocking their strength of schedule. It will get better as we go along here. They play Temple, national TV game, ESPN Thursday night. You may be hearing us uh, after that game. You may already know how well UCF did or didn't do in that game. But if they roll in that game, Temple a little bit better team. Cincinnati only a one-loss team. USF suffered their first loss last week is in their way. Houston is a top-20 team. Uh, upcoming. If they win the division and they're the opponent in the conference championship game, my point is UCF's strength of schedule may move up, and it may move them up. Kevin, do you buy that, that they can they can lurk around 7, 8, maybe even get up as high as 7 or 6 late in the year? What do you think? Oh, I think they can, but the, as long as they're on the top floor, it doesn't matter. You right. know? And you know, if they went out, we're assuming that Alabama and Clemson will be undefeated and most likely Notre Dame. I still believe the only way UCF gets into this thing is for them to win out and seriously for Alabama to lose to LSU, then LSU loses to someone else and Clemson loses and Notre Dame loses and right. they have all these teams with a loss and UCF's the only team left undefeated. I would say you got to give them a shot because there's because they did their job. That's what we talked about last year. You did your job. What else do you want? You know. But at the same time, you know, if we have this situation where we have two or three undefeated teams, UCF's not going to be the fourth undefeated team. They'll take a one-loss team over them. If you have nobody undefeated except for them, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the mix. But it's still hard for them because they just have so much to overcome. Like that point. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, one other important point. No undefeated team has ever won the college football playoff. So while we keep talking about how important it is to be undefeated, a year ago, Alabama had the loss to Auburn, eventually won the playoff. Two years before, Clemson had lost to Syracuse, eventually won the playoff. Uh, on and on to Alabama the the uh, the year before, had a loss to, I believe, Ole Miss, went on and won the playoff. So uh, just because you're unbeaten right now, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win the whole thing come January. We'll find out with the college football playoff. All right, so with all of that as the backdrop, with me propping up Kevin going three for three last week, let's begin with some college underdogs. You are up first, sir. Where do you want to go? All right, I'm going to go with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They're hosting Syracuse on Saturday. And even though Wake is 0-3 straight up against the spread as a home dog, it's hard to ignore this number. The Syracuse Orange coming off a nice win over NC State last week. They hung with Clemson earlier this year. The last few seasons, 17 road games in the ACC, they've won once. Ooh. All right, so 1-16, in 16, their last 17 ACC road games. Wake Forest destroyed them last year. Wake is, I mean, they beat Louisville, and I know Louisville is, is kind of a dog this year in the ACC. But I, it's just hard to ignore Syracuse's ineptitude on the road and also coming off a really nice win over NC State. Maybe this is a bit of a letdown game. They've already lost to Pittsburgh. We took Pitt a few weeks ago on the show. 
against Syracuse. I'm going to ride Wake Forest here and take the points with them against Syracuse. So even though Syracuse has been very good at the Carrier Dome with a couple of wins this year, you do not like them as a road team in this instance. And again, uh, you know, Wake uh, Wake has been blown out several times. Notre Dame beat them earlier in the year. Clemson beat them badly. Florida State beat them as well. But like you always like to say, you're looking at a specific spot and you have a specific reason here and it's more anti-Syracuse, isn't it? I can tell in this specific spot that you like Wake. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly in love with Wake, but it's more about going against Syracuse in the spot. And last time I checked, they still give you money for your win, no matter if you took the team (laughs) that that you're backing or if you went against the team they're playing. And I agree with that, and that's part of our philosophy here on this. All right, so an ACC doggy for you. I will begin, speaking of Notre Dame, with Northwestern taking on the Fighting Irish. This will be a national TV game coming up on Saturday evening in Evanston for the showdown with uh, with Northwestern. And, and this is a Northwestern team that you rode to victory against Michigan. They were getting a ton of points in that game. They were winning at one point, I believe, 17 nothing in that game. Ended up covering, if not the narrow loss. Northwestern defeated Wisconsin last week. No Alex Hornibrook, the quarterback for Wisconsin, but still... Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald, they've had a good season to this point. He's done a tremendous job consistently making that uh, program into a contender in the Big Ten. Uh, Northwestern also with a couple of wins earlier uh, this year. uh, They had a a season-opening win over Purdue at Purdue that looks pretty good. Now, they did lose to Akron uh, at home, and that had some people shaking their head. They turn around and go to Michigan State and win. I, I just I think Northwestern will keep this close. I know Notre Dame high powered Ian Book at quarterback, but they have games that are kind of anomalies too because they played Pitt and struggled with them the whole second half at home and narrowly escaped in that game. I'll take the points with the Northwestern Wildcats in the in the solid Big Ten. We've we've seen a lot of crazy uh, games so far in the Big Ten. Purdue's upset upset of Ohio State. Um, it, it, another win by Michigan State that basically knocked Penn State out of the hopes of, of winning the Big Ten championship. Now it's Penn State and Michigan this week. Big Ten, it's a bit of a wide-open conference. I know this is not a Big Ten game, but Northwestern, keep an eye on them here in a matchup with with uh, with Notre Dame coming on, uh, on Saturday night, I think. Uh, again, you've already laid out the Irish and the path for them trying to get to undefeated. They play this game at Northwestern. Uh, does Notre Dame and you mentioned uh, some of the ones that they're finishing with there uh, including Florida State at the end and USC at USC at the end on that schedule for Notre Dame all right so let's move on to another college underdog for you underdog number two where do you want to go 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 to the SEC the Swamp Missouri Tigers take on the Florida Gators the Gators coming off the loss to Georgia last week and Jacksonville Gators one and six against the spread in their last seven after the Georgia game. So Florida has letdowns. They usually they've been playing Missouri or Vanderbilt in this time. They really, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're just, you know, not prepared or whatever the case may be. Missouri's winless in conference play, and they're a team that normally rises to the occasion against non-SEC teams. They're coming up a really tough home loss to Kentucky last week at the end. I just think here that the line is short or short enough where Florida's been very good and Missouri has been great in conference play. But Missouri still has got some good offense, and I think I'm going to shut down by Kentucky last week. It should be able to open things up here. And for Florida, it's just a killer loss to Georgia. You know, they lost to Georgia and Kentucky. Like they're not going to the SEC championship. So I wonder where this team is mentally. 
moving forward, I will take the points with Mizzou. They have had so many uh, problems, the Gators, throwing the football. It's only here and there that Felipe Franks can make the play, and there are times where he hangs on to the ball too long. There are other times where he doesn't get rid of the ball, and uh, and there's somebody open. He just He's not progressed as a starter, as the trigger man of that offense. There's some debate as to whether they're going to play Emory Jones, the smaller, speedy, dual-threat quarterback, more as this season goes on, and try to get him ready some for 2019 in the future. Uh, Florida back home, Missouri with Drew Locke. I like, I like Missouri as well uh, here to maybe pull an upset. Again, it's only a six-point line, but you'll take Missouri in that uh, matchup. Stanford is a team that stands out to me. Stanford getting ready to take on Washington, a Saturday night Pac-10 game with Stanford as a double-digit favorite. I know they lost to Wazoo. Uh, last week uh they they had the lead on washington state nationally ranked washington state they're the highest ranked team right now in the pac-12 they are the leaders for the pac-12 north division uh championship uh but hey stanford was leading by two touchdowns in the second half had a 24 to 14 lead actually got the game tied with about three minutes left at 38 apiece but washington state ends up kicking the field goal in the final 20 seconds to win the game Stanford with wins earlier this year over USC and also at Oregon uh, as well. I don't know what's going on with Bryce Love. He didn't have a, only seven carries last week. He's been bothered some on and off by injury. Uh, K.J. Costello, the quarterback, is good. But I think David Shaw in this spot against a Washington team that is floundering themselves, uh, Kevin Rogers, Washington lost last week to Cal at Berkeley, 12-10. to Jake Browning, the outstanding quarterback, benched in the second half as their offense continued to sputter. Chris Peterson went to the bench to the, the backup quarterback. He will go back to Browning in this home game here against Stanford. But I, I like David Shaw on the, on the chance to go pull the upset maybe, but at least keep it close. I will take the 10 points with Stanford. My question to you for the Pac-12, it looks to be wide open. Maybe it is going to be Washington State. Washington is not the team that we thought they were. USC is not USC. Oregon took another loss uh, last week. Stanford with with Love, they've got a couple of losses. Do we know how good anybody is in the Pac-12? Utah maybe should be in that conversation. Utah whacked Stanford. Utah won easily over UCLA last week. Is Utah maybe the team that we're not talking enough about out of the Pac-12 or what? It was amazing how last week you had so many underdogs that won outright. You know, you mentioned Cal beating Washington, that low-scoring game. Oregon State, who's been the worst team in the conference, rallied past Colorado. Arizona had that really nice win over Oregon. But right now, I mean, Washington State, Utah, those are two teams that really are, are you know, have a shot to, uh, to win the Pac-12. And, you know, USC, I don't really think, is in the mix right now i mean washington has been one of the biggest shocks this year just the way they've been at times but uh yeah i think those two teams right now are the ones really to keep an eye on and they played a really tough game earlier in the year and uh you know who knows if uh we see them play again yeah the mad scientist uh mike leach and wazoo one of the favorite teams right now and we haven't even mentioned uh arizona states pulled a couple of upsets too they they whacked usc at the coliseum last week as another one of those underdogs that did well so pac 12 wide open but i will take stanford in this game with washington all right so you and i have each taken the allotment of college underdogs that means neither one of us dipped our toe in we're going to be talking to peter burns of the sec network about the two large games who had georgia at kentucky as a large game but it is for the sec 
East. It is one of the biggest Kentucky home games in the last 25 years, play, maybe more, playing Georgia in Lexington, and they're a large underdog. And then the night game of LSU and Alabama. When was the last time I did some research? I can't find this in the last five years. When was the last time that LSU was a 14 or more point underdog at home? That's what it is for Alabama. We didn't pick these games for Three Dog Thursday. First of all, is Kentucky for real? Are they going to hang with Georgia in this game, or might Georgia wipe them out, Kevin? I think Kentucky can hang. You know, they've been pretty competitive all year long. We saw them win at Florida earlier in the year. They got some other nice wins in the SEC, and I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, I don't know if in the end if they'll beat Georgia, but uh, but Kentucky's proven that that they're definitely – Uh, a competitive team right now in the SEC. Well, they certainly got a gift last week on what looked like, Kevin, I don't know how much of this you saw. They're at Missouri. Uh, They're driving for the potential winning touchdown. Final play of the game, they call a questionable pass interference in the end zone on Missouri. It gives Kentucky one untimed down, and then clearly the guy that caught the game-winning pass for Kentucky gets away with a push-off offensive interference before he catches it. No call, game-winning touchdown, game over. That keeps Kentucky's hopes for now alive to try to win the East. We're not talking Kentucky basketball now. This is Kentucky football, uh, and and they have pulled upsets before. 2007, uh, they upset LSU in overtime at home when LSU, I believe, was number one or number two in the country, and Kentucky upset them. Uh, having a good year that year with Rich Brooks as the quarter as the as the coach. Um, let's see. Let's see if. Uh, if if uh, Mark Stoops here, the the coach of uh, of the Wildcats, has his team up and ready to roll um, in this one, as uh, as they take on a Georgia team fresh off that win over Florida, where Jake Fromm looked outstanding. They can run the football. Let's see in the Georgia Kentucky matchup now to Alabama and LSU. I made reference fourteen or fourteen and a half is the line in this one. What kind of realistic shot do you give LSU in this game Saturday night, Baton Rouge? What do you think? I believe that this could turn into what we saw with FSU and Clemson, that this number is so big that, you know, maybe the right side is taking the favorite. You know, oh, you get all these points with LSU, but, you know, really – and I've talked about all year that LSU has been an excellent underdog, but also Alabama because they're such a machine that it's just hard right now to make a case to go against them. And, you know, we could see Alabama win this game seriously, you know, 20 to three, something like that, 23 to six, and they still cover. Maybe it's a close game. Right. You know, we saw that with the Patriots and Bills on Monday night that it was a close game all the way through, and the Patriots scored a few late touchdowns. They covered 14. Well, really, they didn't dominate them. So, you know, that's what it's going to come down to, but I'm staying away from that one. Well, Alabama has put points on everybody they played. Now, the argument here is this is the best defense they will have played, and they're playing them Saturday night in Baton Rouge. I can testify here, Three Dog Thursday audience, I've worked a television broadcast of an LSU game. It actually was a game with Nick Saban as the LSU head coach back in 2000. I'm getting old. And they were upset. It was Saban's first year. They were upset by an Alabama team. UAB upset them. 
but what my point is that atmosphere is just jacked at night and then you bring in the number one Godzilla in the in the ultimate rivalry game here they're going to be hyped they're going to feed off the crowd and remember Kevin here's another important uh, factor in this Ed Orgeron took over as the interim coach two years ago in the 2016 season they played Alabama tough that that game I believe was a three nothing game in the third quarter of the game in Baton Rouge let's see if LSU can hang in but I, I think you and I agree more than likely Alabama does take care of business and win this game maybe easily might Tua uh, Tungavailoa have to play in the fourth quarter he hasn't had to play in the fourth quarter all year might he have to play in the fourth quarter of this game in Baton Rouge it would truly be an upset if LSU finds a way to win against Alabama something they have not been able to do for years now going back to Les Miles's heyday with the trick plays Let's see what happens um, in, in this showdown coming on Saturday night. All right, Kevin, very good. We've got NFL underdogs coming up with you in our final segment. Everybody hang in there. Peter Burns of the SEC Network. He will be coming up. We will continue. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Three Dog Thursday will continue. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com for great in-your-face college theme and NFL theme tees. Go to SmackApparel.com and take 10% off with the promo code 3DOG for Three Dog Thursday. It's SmackApparel.com and the promo code 3DOG. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reed. We do roll on. It is my pleasure. It's been far too long. We're all the way into November now on Three Dog Thursday to get to talk to Peter Burns of the SEC Network, who is back with me. How are you, my friend? And what a big weekend of SEC football yet again. T.J., I thought you forgot my number, man. I don't hear from you. I'm like, man, I must have done yeah, bad I'm, I'm sure with all Kill the types me. you roll with, you are concerned about hearing from me. The real question <laughs> is, first first Halloween for little Bo Burns, your daughter, did she rake? Did she collect enough of the candy that she can't eat that dad, mom, and others can eat? What What is the update? Well, listen. Listen, she's one one year old, so basically I just use my daughter as a prop for me to get candy. That's no problem. It's just like she's like her first birthday party, right? Whenever we had it uh, a week ago, she's because she was actually born on Halloween, and so you know when we threw a birthday party, we're like she's not going to remember any of this, so let's just throw the party that we want to have. Yes. And, yeah, um, there was a lot of adult beverages, and it actually ended up being pretty good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, so we got that part covered. Now let's do what uh, what we brought you here to do and talk a little SEC football. Let's let's go. Let's go first with the undercard, and then we'll get to the main event of LSU and Alabama. What kind of shot does Kentucky have at Commonwealth Stadium against uh, Georgia in this matchup? What do you think? I think I have a damn good shot, TJ. I mean, I look at this, and I don't think there's any doubt across the board when you look at rosters, no one's going to look at that and say that Georgia doesn't have a more talented roster than Kentucky. You just you, you can't convince me of that. However, their styles make fights, right? Whenever you see boxers, they always want to box a person that they're, they feel comfortable with. And sometimes you see boxers don't take a fight because it just doesn't fit their style, or that, that boxer can take advantage of – their, that boxer's weakness. And I think the weakness for Georgia right now is a banged-up offensive line, so I think they're struggling to run the ball. Well, guess what? Kentucky is extremely good uh, with their front seven, especially Josh Allen being a, a monster. And 
Georgia right now has uh, one other one of their weaknesses, TJ, has been that they really can't stop the run. Well, guess what? What can Kentucky do? They can run the ball really well with Benny Snell. Um, and so, to me, this is a, the fight that, that that's a perfect style for the Kentucky Wildcats. All year long, they've been told that they are the underdog, that they're going to win five and a half games, that they're not good. They even played Missouri last week, and they're a seven-point underdog. No way they're going to win this game. And yet they still continue to win. And this ride reminds me of 2011 when I covered the Broncos and Tim Tebow. It's like it's inexplicable. I don't know how it happens, but they just find <laughs> a flipping way to win. And this, you, you talk about undercard, and I'll tell you what, as crazy as Baton Rouge is going to be on Saturday night for the Alabama game, I'll tell you this, Lexington may be as big, if not crazier, just because that that fan base is so rabid uh, with, with Georgia coming into town. And I said this, as good as Big Blue Nation is as far as basketball, this is the biggest sporting event sporting event to ever take place at the University of Kentucky there in Lexington. You know, because traditionally basketball games are in the Final Four or National Championship game at a neutral site. This game on Saturday is, is the biggest game in the history of Kentucky Athletics. How about that? It's large, there's no doubt. And, and remember, they did they beat LSU, and you'll help me with this. It was like the 07 season, and LSU was in the top yep. five, I think. So that was a large yep. one. Let's see if this one can equal that, and will Georgia have the letdown like you're talking about. I love your insight because you not only do a great job on the SEC Network, but you got the Cajun blood in you, and you've been around the LSU football <laughs> program. Speak to this before we get to the game. It is a different element at night in Baton Rouge like what this will be. Yeah, I mean, people, it's it's hard to explain. I mean, you know, whenever it's not only just, hey, five days or six days leading up to it, but Louisiana Saturday nights are just a different breed. When you've got 100,000 people at full throat and they probably went well served the entire day <laughs> leading into it, so they're ready. They're properly hydrated. I think that's the, uh, the proper way of saying it. But, yeah, I mean, that's a different, a different situation. And, you know, we talked about that on SEC Network that, you know, for Tua, he hasn't really had a hard road game. And, you know, we talked about how they haven't played a whole lot of defenses. But the, really the hardest road game, true road game that he's had to play is at University of Tennessee. And guess what? I mean, that was a loud environment in probably 1997, 1998. It, it wasn't a whole heck of a lot loud at, in 2018. So Tua's going to face a different animal. But then again, Tua is just an animal. I mean, I don't even know if he's human right now with the way he's playing uh, in this Alabama offense this humming. Voice of Peter Burns. Love his insight on the SEC Network and uh, also we'll let him plug his SiriusXM SEC This Morning Show here in just a second. Uh, let's phrase it this way. Alabama is the convincing favorite and most believe they will win, if not win big. If LSU is going to have a shot to win this game, it is because of why? Um, because they had an eight-minute drive to start the game. I mean, I'm being serious. Right. I mean, right now, they have to play keep away, and I, I've never thought that of a coin toss being as important as it is for this game, and, but it really is because if LSU wins the toss, you sure as hell better believe that they're going to take the ball first because they want to get that clock running because they want Devin White to get back into this game as quick as possible. Remember, TJ, he's sitting out the first half of this game, and that's their stud linebacker, and that's a position in which – uh, LSU is pretty weak at right now. Uh, they're great on the corners with Devin uh, Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit and uh, Christian Fulton and uh, in battle. But right there at linebacker, they're 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 hurt. So um, they're going to have to have a long sustained drive and at least two of them if they want a chance to keep away from Tua. 
I still think this game is tight at halftime. I just think Alabama just has too much. In fact, I actually, uh, it hurts me to say, but I actually believe that they cover the, uh, the two touchdown spread. Well, we'll see how invincible Alabama will be as we go along. As I mentioned, you do such a fantastic job. Plug away on SEC Now and the new venture that launched this football season where you and Marcus Spears are talking SEC football every morning through SiriusXM and the SEC Network. Plug away, Mr. Burns. Plug away, yeah, man. So uh, that's what we do. So SiriusXM Channel 374 or via the Sirius app, we talk. You know, on the SEC channel, it's called SEC This Morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern. We talk all college football, all SEC sports. And then on Monday, it's simulcast. It's like the Paul Feinbaum show on television. And, uh, again, man, I got a ESPN radio show on Sunday morning. So uh, I'm not sure when I have off. But, uh, you know, sleep <laughs> sleep is for the – for you can sleep when you're dead. So I might as well enjoy college football. Wait a minute. Added, right? Did you just quote some of Roadhouse there on me uh, with Patrick Swayze <laughs> and Kelly Lynch? Roadhouse. And Sam, there we go. I'll get all the sleep that I need when I'm dead, Doc. Okay, dead. so – uh, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend with these two matchups. Should be a blast to watch these games unfold. Uh, and again, Saturday night at, at LSU. They, they hung in the game two years ago when Orgeron was the interim coach. People don't remember, and maybe you can make the comments, okay, LSU had a better defense and better personnel, but they hung in that game. That was like a 3 nothing, 7 nothing game, something like that in the second half. So let's see if LSU can hang in there and then it really gets wild if Tua actually has to play the fourth quarter, et cetera, et cetera, right? I think it's going – listen, I think he will have to play the, the fourth quarter. If you if you look at the LSU games, every time that, that Alabama has gone to Baton Rouge since Nick Saban has been in there, it has always been a close game. In fact, I think the biggest uh, point differential was that 10 nothing game uh, two years ago. So I expect, a, I expect a good one. I just think that Alabama uh, pulls away late. I expect like 10 points going into the fourth quarter – And then I think Alabama ends up winning by 17. He's a good one. He's a great one. Love his insight on the SEC Network. SEC This Morning on Sirius XM and the SEC Network is the radio show that you can find on those outlets. He is Peter Burns. Thank you for hanging with me on Three Dog Thursday, sir. Oh, man, anytime for you, TJ. We do continue on. Back with me one more time is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. He'll be telling you more about the great information, facts, and figures you can find at Vegas Insider coming up in a few moments. Time to talk some NFL football. Enough about the college game. It's getting good now. As we've mentioned, we flipped the calendar to November. The Rams win again. They are undefeated. I mean, certainly there are teams distinguishing themselves at the top, like Kansas City, New England, you would expect. How about the New Orleans Saints? I I was witness at field level to the only loss for the Saints this season when Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Bucks put it on them in week one in the Superdome. They have not lost since. Another impressive win uh, in Minnesota for them on Sunday night. So, uh, Kevin, with all of that uh, in front of us, before we get to some underdog predictions, what strikes you from last weekend? What do you want to? Uh, you got something you want to share here with the Three Dog Thursday audience that struck you last week? Well, I mean, when you look at, you know, obviously the big story was the Rams-Packers game, where the Packers were up and the Rams came back and they rallied, they took the lead, and then you had the Ty Montgomery fumble that led to, you know, pretty much the game being put away, and you know, it's it twofold. You know, one with that whole kickoff situation. You know, allegedly the coaches told him, "Don't take it out of the end zone." And again, we don't know how much of that is true. But if you saw the kickoff, and I understand technically it was in the end zone, he was like a yard in the end zone. I mean, they made it out to be that that this guy was 
you know, totally disobeying rules or, uh, you know, commands, whatever you want to say, taking a play underneath the goalpost and running it out. Like, he was like a yard <laughs> deep in the end zone. I mean, like, let's relax with that. And we're playing the result here. And he fumbled the ball. Okay, if he doesn't fumble the ball, and let's say the Packers don't score, nobody cares, you know. How about but they trade the him the next day? They traded Ty Montgomery on Monday to the Ravens. Do you think that was a direct result, or were they already unhappy with him, or, or did that push him over the edge? I mean, they traded the guy do away I, after that. Do I think it was a direct result? Absolutely. I mean, they basically got like a bag of footballs for him. I mean, like, they just <laughs> want to get rid of him, get him out of town. I mean, they got like a seventh-round pick. What are you doing with a seventh-round pick? Like, I mean, come on. Um, but, you know, they still, you know, were winning that game. They lost, and then, you know, the Todd Gurley play that a lot of people say, oh, Todd Gurley, that he cost me in fantasy, or he, I would have won my bet. The Rams had no business covering that game. The Packers were in it the whole time. I think the Rams led by nine or ten at one point, but that was it for like a minute in the whole game. So the Packers were the right side. If anybody said that, oh, Todd Gurley should have scored, he didn't have to score there. So he scores, then they botch the extra point, then the Packers get it back, score, get the two and win it overtime. What do you say then? You know, I mean – the right play was Gurley falling down, and and that's it. And there's nothing more to say about it. Well, we've seen other teams do that and do it successfully where you get that last first down that's more important to kneel on the ball, just fall down. It's an unselfish play uh, as well. And that's another sign of a well-coached team. Let's give, let's give more props to Sean McVay because that's coming from the coach uh, Im- imploring his team that, hey, in a situation where we can keep possession and kill the clock, that's what we want to do. He got his point across, even to a star player there, that it's not as important for you to go get the touchdown and pad your stats for possible incentives, etc. It's more important that we win this game, and that's going to help us clinch uh, and win. So, uh, yeah, it ended up being a great strategy. Laid down, what, at about the two-yard line. They knelt on the ball. They win the game. And now the Rams playing the Saints this week. You got some really good matchups with the Rams in New Orleans, Green Bay in New England as well uh, for a couple of high-profile national TV games. Should be a lot of fun uh, to watch those. Uh, Certainly coming off the weekend, it'll be um, a a lot of fun to see what happens so all right let's get into uh some of the games here for this week it will be interesting uh interesting also that amari cooper will make his i know what i wanted to say his debut for dallas will be on monday night football will the cowboys be better offensively against tennessee at home we'll find out on monday night so with all of that out of the way i have all the nfl games here in front of me you have them in front of you we need an underdog still left from you where are you going to go here and why I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. They're in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And the Lions had their five-game, uh, I guess, ATS streak snapped by the Seahawks last week. It was a really nice win for Seattle going in there to Detroit and winning that game. But now the Lions, they trade off Golden Tate to the Eagles. I don't think that's waving the white flag necessarily. And, you know, you look at this Vikings team coming off a, a tough loss to the Saints on Sunday night. I, I just think that this Vikings team is not the same as it was last year. And, you know, we've seen the Jets and the Cardinals. They beat the 49ers earlier in the year. That They really don't have an impressive win, it seems like, on the resume. But uh, Detroit's gone in Minnesota the last two years. One each time. The Lions have covered all three this year as an underdog. I think that the Lions can kind of reset things this week after getting humbled at home by Seattle, and I think they end up getting the cover against the Vikings. Well, and I had Seattle a week ago, and interesting that they deal away Golden Tate, uh, which which really means they, they believe more in Kenny Galladay 
and Marvin Jones as the other receivers there for Stafford. This this is traditionally where the Lions have gone through swoons, though. Middle of the season, they start losing games and having problems. We'll see if Matt Patricia can avoid that. And for that Minnesota team, for all the stats, I mean, everybody's talking about Adam Thielen and all the, the, the record-breaking 100-yard uh, reception games that he's had to start this season, they would trade those stats to go get a couple of the wins. I mean, they, they lose early in the year to to Buffalo at home. They lose this game to the Saints uh, at home as well. So uh, Minnesota can't afford much more in, in chasing Green Bay and Chicago right now. I know those teams are still going to play each other kind of round robin, but we'll see what happens uh, with the Vikings. All right, now you are here as a witness that I rarely do this. I am part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast, the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff, our, our radio analyst Dave Moore, 15 years in the NFL. I, I don't come on here as a Buccaneer homer. You would agree, Kevin. You can testify to that. You're here with me every week. I am not a Buccaneer homer on Three Dog Thursday, correct? Correct. However, I'm going to be a Buccaneer homer this week. I love the Bucs headed to Carolina as a seven-point underdog in this game. And some Buck fans may hear this and say, what is he doing? He's going to jinx the team. Look, I pick the Bucs to win every week. I may not do it on Three Dog Thursday, but I want nothing more as the host of the live locker room show after the game with a live microphone to go in there and talk about a win every week. So, of course, I think the Bucs should win every week and will win every week. In this case, I just I love the seven points I'm getting with the Bucks going back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Again, for the Three Dog Thursday audience, perk up, listen up. I was on the sideline last week that came alive when Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the game after Jameis Winston threw the pick six uh, to Cincinnati's defensive back Bates, and he ran it in. That, that sideline was a funeral uh, at that point at 34-16 late third quarter. They energized completely with Fitzpatrick coming back in, making plays with his with his arm, making plays with his feet, through the bomb to Mike Evans, got the game tied with a fourth down touchdown to O.J. Howard. They got the two-point conversion. Again, this team rallied around Fitzpatrick at the beginning of the year. They did so last Sunday. I like, I mean, Carolina riding high, comeback win against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago, easy win over Baltimore last week. Division game, give me... B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, go Bucks this week in Carolina against Cam Newton and the Panthers. And Fitzpatrick may continue what is a remarkable story at 35 years old as a journeyman quarterback trying to get the Bucks in a playoff position. They've gone back to him as a starter. Let's see if they if they rally around him uh, for that game coming up. So there are underdogs. Uh, before we let you plug away with Vegas Insider, give me a thought. We didn't take the uh, the Packers and the points against New England, but everybody making a big deal about Sunday night football, Green Bay, New England, the matchup in Foxborough, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. We don't get to see it that often. You got a got a thought. It should be a lot of fun. Should be should be some offense in this game and a lot of throwing in this game uh, with Packers and Patriots, Kevin. My only prediction is no matter how things turn out, Colin Coward has a whole week's worth of material after that game. <laughs> yes, uh, one way or the other. I, I have another prediction that uh, late in the game, there will not be a Packer run a kickoff out of the end zone. I don't know what will happen. I can tell you that will not happen. That's, what, that's no, something I, no, that I know it's going to happen. Aaron 
Aaron Rodgers will be returning the kickoff. He'll be the only one allowed to take the ball out. <laughs> yeah, some of his teammates, hey, you got a problem with that? Then you go back there yeah. and return the kick uh, if that's the case. All right, so uh, there are the NFL games and our predictions. Kevin, again, uh, the NFL season in full swing, college football, but everything else also going on as well. I know we put baseball to bed, but tell them more about all of the great info they can find out on everything at VegasInsider.com, sir. Well, this is Brock Vember now, so, uh, <laughs> you know, we have to uh, transition from Brocktober to Brock Vember. But anyway, I mean, it's so busy, you know, with the NFL, with college football. College basketball starts on Tuesday. How about I mean, that? That's, and you have a couple big games there with, you know, Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State. All those teams are playing, you know, each other on Tuesday. So that is uh, coming up. Uh, you know, baseball's now put to bed after the Red Sox won the World Series. So we go from baseball to college basketball. But we have NBA going on, NHL going on. It's just it's crazy. And it's just very busy, but a lot to keep an eye on. And you can check out all of our material every single week. Now we have Maxion, hashtag Maxion during the week, you know, with all these Mac games. So you have plenty of football during the week. Not only you know on Saturday and Sunday and Monday, but also now Tuesday and Wednesday. The basketball—it's it, a lot to keep an eye on. So you have plenty of options of you know things to follow. Just check us out on Vegas Insider. Go to Twitter, TwitVI. That it's all there, and you will not be there will not be a shortage of action for you. No doubt. And you can get this guy's great picks, not just underdogs, but everything that he's predicting, whether it is uh, the NFL or college football or whatever sport it is. Kevin is a senior handicapper there, does a great job, and again, three for three on his underdogs last week. Kevin going with Wake Forest this week in the matchup with Syracuse. Missouri and the points at Florida and the Lions as his underdog against the Vikings in the NFL. I'll take Northwestern in the game with Notre Dame in prime time with a large line. I'll take Stanford to cover at Washington, if not win the game. And I love the Bucks to maybe even upset the Panthers. Let's hope so. Uh, again, for the Buccaneers getting seven points in that matchup. Uh, listen, had a lot of fun this week. Here we go with November. It gets really good from here on out because it's a tightrope act for all the teams at the top of the college football playoff. They can't lose if they want to be in the playoff. And you know they're going to lose. There are going to be several defeats up there in the middle uh, of that top ten, if not at the top of the top ten, over the course of the next two or three weeks. It always, always happens that we think these are the four teams and it ends up being two. I think last year it ended up being like three different teams that jumped back into the uh, into the top four after the first couple of weeks because Clemson and Alabama both lost. So let's see if that happens this time for college football. Kevin, I enjoyed, as always, be safe with the little one. Happy Halloween with him. And we look forward to talking to you next week with more on Three Dog Thursday as November continues. Thank you very much, TJ. And I'll leave you with this. I am Andrew Shepard, and I am the president. <laughs> very good American president reference there for another podcast. I like that. Uh, my thanks also to Peter Burns, uh, who is not the American president, but instead works on the SEC Network. Check him out on uh, the SEC Now show, their weekend programming, and also his Sirius XM uh, SEC This Morning show that he hosts weekday mornings. Love his insight into all the SEC action with LSU and Alabama in primetime, as well as Georgia and Kentucky. Kentucky coming this weekend. Enjoy all the games. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us on Three Dog Thursday. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. In Jacksonville. 
I think the lack of leadership shows up big time in, you know, the whole going out and guys getting arrested and charges being dropped and what have you. That's one issue. But it's reflective of the fact that you don't have good leadership. What are you doing going out that late, not being focused? Now, you'll hear the jive talkers, the Deion Sanders, people like that. say It ain't no problem. Maybe do that. No, no, no. It is a problem. You don't know it's a problem because you're from a different world and you've never coached and you've never been in that situation to where if you don't have good leadership, if you don't have accountability, it's the idea that if you're out that late, you're out focusing on other things, you're not focused on where it should be. You're just along for the ride, along for the paycheck and the trappings that playing in pro football gets you and not is concerned about being a great football player. So I think there's some issues there. And we know the biggest problem on the field is the offense and the lack thereof and the lack of a passing game, mainly due to the lack of a running game. They can't run play action now. Can't run the football. Big problems here. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com. 